Welcome back, everyone, to Random's Thoughts. It's been a while since I put together a YouTube video for, unfortunately, anything. And there are some reasons for that, but that's a story for another day. Today, I wanted to talk about my latest card gaming obsession and the recent balance changes as well as organized play announcements that are happening in the world of Mythgard. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I did recently achieve partner level, I guess, with the Mythgard team and Mythgard the game. But this entire video is going to be all everything from up here and in here, I guess. All my thoughts, personal thoughts on the way these balance changes will impact the meta, what my predictions are, as well as my feelings on the organized play schedule as a whole. So let's get right into it. So if you are a Mythgard regular, this is probably not new news to you. However, if you're not, allow me to explain a little bit. The chart that you're seeing on screen now was announced back in 2020. And as you can see, it's the competitive roadmap for the year of 2021. Each several sets of months are broken into seasons, and those seasons culminate in an open or an open tournament. And what is an open tournament? Well, both the seasons and the tournament are going to get you qualifying points in order to compete in, well, basically worlds at the end of the year. You can see in blue down there where it says Masters. So every few months, we're going to have one of these opens, and you only have to hit silver rank on the ladder in order to be able to compete. If you hit silver rank, then it's a cost of 1,200 in-game coins in order to sign up. And there are a bunch of details that were announced very recently about how the the first open is going to shape up. Now, of course, it's it's going to be a Swiss bracket cut to top eight. So on March 20th, which is not too far in the future from the time of this recording, we're going to have the Swiss rounds. And then on the 27th, we're going to have the top eight playoff. Now, there are some prizes, both in-game and out-of-game that are up for grabs. But again, for me at least, the big deal is that it's helping you qualify for the end-of-year end of world. Now, there are a couple other details that were mixed in with the actual announcement. Now, I caught it on Twitter, but of course it was in all the various social media places. So you can hit up the official MythGuard social media accounts for all of this information and confirmation of the things that I'm explaining. So aside from the prizes, as we said, it's going to be Conquest, which I'll talk about in a moment. It's going to give you qualifying points, which we've mentioned already. Top eight, as you'd expect, is going to be single elimination. So you're going to qualify essentially for day two, air quotes, even though it's a week later, through the Swiss rounds and then play into top eight. Uh, the one interesting facet is there, there's a little line item that says decks may be modified for top eight. And we'll talk about that in a second. It's a very interesting detail that is going on. Now, in addition to this, there was a recent balance patch, but we're going to talk about that in the latter part of this video because it kind of is informed and also informs a lot of the things that are going on here. Now, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the actual format for this event. Now, it was announced as Conquest. Any of you digital TCG players out there are probably familiar with this. But for those who are not, basically, you have to bring three unique decks. They can't overlap in their path, their power. And if you have cards that cross between decks, they still have to meet the unified deck building idea of, say, you can have four of a card. You could have four in one deck and zero in the rest. One in three, 
two and two, however you want to break it up, but you can't have, say, a full playset in deck A and a full playset in deck B. So it forces players to diversify their deck builds, have a allegedly greater meta knowledge, and kind of, it. I'm told it's a better viewer experience. I say I'm told. The reason for that is I have competed in events similar to this in that you were it's a multi-deck format you are banning before the game even begins one of your opponent's decks they ban one of yours and then you have to win with the remaining two there are other variations of conquest such as or variations on conquest such as last deck standing and a number of other ones but clearly we're going to be focusing on conquest here what are my initial thoughts well i think it's fine i think the way mythgard stands right now in client, in meta, without the option to sideboard, I don't think playing a single deck is a reasonable or appropriate showcase of the game. And what do I mean by that? I don't think that the game is going to be cast in the best light if you have certain matchups that line up without the opportunity to sideboard. Now, that being said, I am personally not a fan of multi-deck formats. I'm relatively vocal about it i've mentioned it a number of times on my twitch streams i've said it in podcasts in the past for other games i just don't like this setup that being said if you do more power to you it's it's perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable and in no way is this going to discourage me from playing even if it were to turn out that throughout the entire year including worlds that we would be playing this sort of format that's fine it does bring certain elements to the table and can influence design all the way on the back end. And I think that it should if this is going to be the intended format. We have had rumblings that there is the potential for sideboards down the road. But that doesn't seem to really be on the horizon. It's certainly not going to be here prior to this event. It's obviously not slated for this event. So we are living in the now. We have our reality and we have to accept it. As I said, at the end of the day, I I would prefer personally if it was something else. However, I think this is definitely a well-recognized format. It's a well-accepted format. And it does have its own advantages. As I mentioned earlier, it it forces deck diversity so that a wider swath of the card pool hypothetically is going to be exposed to more players. Now, I say hypothetically, and I could go in a long dissertation as to my own feelings on Conquest versus single deck formats and where all of these things play out. I've done it multiple times on on my Twitch stream, so you can feel free to watch some of those VODs or hit me up in Discord, and I, I'm always more than happy to run my mouth, as anybody will tell you. So... Bottom line is, I I think this is something to look forward to, and I am very excited about playing in this event. So those are my, we'll call it brief, initial thoughts on the organized play structure for Mythgard in 2021. Now, if you want more information, you can, of course, head on over to Mythgard's official site or any of their social media pages to find more information about the Conquest format, what the story is for organized play, or even just getting started in Mythgard. Now, for the rest of this video, however, we're going to dive into the balance changes that accompanied these announcements. So here's the initial preface for this section. 
We unfortunately, or I unfortunately, do not have the pre for these cards. We're only going to be looking at the post. I'm going to make all of the, the best efforts in order to try and describe what they were compared to what they are now and how I feel they're going to impact the meta and what's going to happen. Maybe make some predictions about where things are going to go for the open. So the first card we're going to be talking about from the balance changes is, as you can see on screen, Hysterical Strength. Now, initially, this card was... <laughs> Yeah, this card was something. It was plus three, plus three. Now it's plus three, plus one. The costs and the gems have stayed the same. And for the most part, the too long didn't read, I guess, if that makes sense for a video, is that I think this is still going to get played. But it is going to have some significant impact. So one of the big boogeymen for the format prior to these balance changes was Mono Red Aggro. Now, you, to a lesser extent, you had other aggro decks, including Red Yellow Aggro. However, Mono Red, I think, was at the forefront of everybody's minds. Now, it presents a number of threats and had a number of tools, including Hysterical Strength, that allowed it to do... I don't want to say unfair things, but it allowed it to push a lot of damage, be a very strong aggro deck. Here's the reason why, and why Hysterical Strength's nerf is significant. Aggro decks, and this may be a, a history lesson that experienced card players may not need, you're obviously trading long-term card advantage, long-term gains for the here and now, the tempo that you get by coming out of the gates, guns blazing. However, Generally, as games wear on, you will lose power, your opponent will take control, and then if you don't close the game out by a certain point, they have all but effectively won the game. Obviously, you will have those scenarios where you top deck either a burn card, you have some sort of evasion where you're able to eke it out, but past a certain point, the aggro strength is gone. Now, why is that? Well, most of their minions are small. Most of them are very cheap. The decks are very consistent. That's how aggro decks work. Hysterical Strength at plus three, plus three allowed aggro decks, and for the most of this segment, we're going to be talking about mono red, so keep that in mind. It allowed those aggressive mono red decks to not only advance a threat on one, but then if you try to react to it as the other player, they can then eat your guy. They, you remove your minion by playing Hysterical Strength and the way the game works with temporary health. They will have their minion remaining and then probably advanced another threat. So that instead of snowballing the other way where you would play a blocker, stop their attack, trade, maybe survive, and then move on to take down another one of their minions... They're actually building board presence, and now they have multiple threats instead of the one they just started with. This is even before you consider the fact that it allows you to push a bunch of damage. We've all probably been on one end or the other of a multiple hysterical strength play onto a given minion. It pushes a lot of damage. You will still have that latter option, but the former is all but gone as far as mono red decks go. Yes, there are some X2s, and by X2 I mean, say, Vulcan Fire, or, uh, not Vulcan Firebrand, excuse me, Vulcan Blade Gorger, a 2 2 4 1. That, combined with a hysterical strength, can punch an opposing minion, a two attack minion, which is likely what you're getting early in the game, and remove it and live with hysterical strength. However, when you think about things like Carney Rioter, you think about things like Strigoi Pup, those suddenly have lost some value because they can no longer survive pushing through a blocker. Now, there's still significant threats. Carney Rioter is still a very strong card, but 
the scenarios are a little bit different. So this particular change is going to have downstream effects and therefore push the the kill turn for these aggressive decks farther out because you can't just build up an overwhelming board state that necessitates a board clear after you've already eaten a bunch of damage and then your opponent vomits more onto the board. You can contest earlier on with other minions by just playing something in front now and it's likely to trade and your opponent's hysterical strength will sit in their hand and only be pushing damage. Possibly. As mentioned with the Vulcan Blade Gorger and other minions, there are scenarios where they could still push in and survive. It's going to be less compared to what it was before. Overall, I would say that I feel this is a positive change and it's a worthwhile change. There are, as mentioned, other aggro decks, so the Red Yellows of the world could still feature Hysterical Strength and not have too much of an issue. But this is something that has been brought up multiple times by the community and the devs decided that now was the time to pull the trigger on this particular sort of change. There were other ones that have been bandied about in Discord or other locations, potentially making it plus three plus O, having aka having no health buff on this at all. There were other iterations that were proposed. I think this is fine. I think it'll work out for the positive in the long run. It's another blow to aggro, which is a little bit of concern to me, but ultimately, Mono Red has a lot of tools. Other aggro decks have a lot of tools. I think this is reasonable. And to the earlier point about having that trade-off between tempo and card advantage and how you're playing the game, this kind of fits. This makes sense that you're not just eating their guy and moving on and forcing two-for-twos instead of it being a two-for-one somewhat away in favor of the other player, not the aggro player. Like I said, I think this is going to be beneficial overall. We'll have to see how it plays out. I don't expect that Mono Red is going to disappear. It's still a force to be reckoned with. It just clearly took a hit. We'll have to see what ends up being ultimately the best aggro deck. The next card up is Plague Maidens. Now, this is a strange one, and the reason I say that is because Plague Maidens, in the context of all the other changes, it appears to be a nerf. This card used to hit players as well, both the opposing player as well as the Plague Maiden player. However, however, in this case, I'm going to make the argument that this is actually a buff, and there's a few different reasons why. Notably, this card, especially in this color combination, allows you to run, quote-unquote, four board clears. Now, since Mono Red is taking a hit, it's a little bit further out. It's a, it's a little bit jumbled how Plague Maidens is going to interact with whatever the next aggro deck that comes up to the plate. But in green-yellow, you can run these alongside Misanthropia and therefore have four board clears that come down pretty early in the game, allow you to stabilize. The drawback previously was twofold. One, you were clearly dealing damage yourself. So although you were clearing the board and you were sort of preventing damage by eliminating their threats, not sort of, you were, you remove their threats and you're taking some damage, but it's a smaller amount than you would have if you allowed those threats to persist. You were still taking damage. So to some extent, the aggro player could still play into this, try and continue to push damage depending on what their hand had available and what the board state was prior, they were still able to eke out a few extra damage through your own Plague Maidens and therefore close out games. That's no longer an option. So you're effectively gaining back 
two to five health, depending on how long the Plague Maidens actually manage to stay on the board. Secondly, and maybe more importantly, is that because you're no longer damaging yourself, you will not be damaging your artifacts. Now, you won't be damaging your opponent's artifacts either, but yellow-green Fires of Creation is kind of a thing. You may have heard of it before. Fires of Creation is, seems to be a common favorite among the, the player base. However, it often was not a great ladder deck simply because of the vulnerability to aggressive decks. This allows you to advance your artifacts and then still play Plague Maiden because it was not uncommon, at least in my experience, that an artifact would be played. You will sustain some damage because your opponent has minions on board, but you need to advance it when you did. Then you Plague Maidens, and the Plague Maidens may wipe out your own artifact or just make the math very complicated for ensuring that you can keep pivotal pieces on the board. Now that's no longer a concern. You can play artifacts as long as your opponent isn't going to remove them. The requirements in order to make it work are lower. You, of course, cannot now close out games directly with Plague Maidens. However, it is going to still indirectly close out games against a number of aggressive strategies or even slower strategies if you can whittle them down through a variety of other effects. Overall, I'm not sure about this one. I would think that it still should at least hit the controller. I personally liked that it was able to be a finisher in and of itself. Yes, it served multiple purposes. Yes, it ended up posing issues. I think it was a cool effect that I would have rather have seen other changes made to this card. For example, I think the regeneration should go away. I think you should be required to play protect or other armor granting tools in order to make it work. As it is now, you can plop it on the board on turn four, ping everything for one or turn five, hit everybody for one twice, and then it just goes back to full health. It's likely to then die on the follow-up turn to, say, Crucible Flares or other removal. However, it did its purpose. It served its purpose. It accomplished its goals. You, you're not that worried about it at that stage if you need it in those aggressive matchups. Obviously, the, the script flips to some extent against control decks. Like I said, I think there were other changes that could be made to this. Uh, some of the other ones would require larger reworks. I'm okay with this change. However, I would want to keep an eye on this. It's it's interesting that this particular color combination seems to be the de facto control deck, which is fine. Something is going to be. Since it has four board clears, as we discussed, I think it puts it at the top of the heap. We'll see how this goes. We'll see how this one plays out. So this one's kind of a twofer. So Barkeep itself was not changed. Night Market was not changed. However, Powerful Ramen was changed, and it has a pretty significant change. Going from zero cost to one cost, in some sense, feels simple. It feels like it's not that big of a deal. It's only a, a change of one. But the jump from zero to one is enormous. And this is going to drastically impact a number of decks, notably the green-purple reanimators that we, I think they are colloquially called reanimator decks, but realistically they are ramen decks, disc decks, smite decks, in that your actual kill condition in those builds is playing 45 ramen over the course of the game. Obviously that's not 
really what happens, but you're playing 45,000 Robin over the course of the game, and you close the game out by just beating up your opponent via smite, getting them into a reasonable range, and then closing the game out with your big threats or reanimating something and then supplementing the push from an early big minion with ramen. Does this kill those decks? I will openly say I have no idea. I'm not sure. A lot of the ramen decks in the games that I have seen, they were closed out by this ramen, like an explosive ramen turn. You often had seven to nine resources available. So I don't think it's going to be an issue of playing the ramen. However, squeezing it into turns that you would be able to previously or utilize the ramen to go dig for important tools by flipping the disc to the appropriate side or getting slayer on the at the appropriate time all of that becomes much more complex now because you can't just simply curve out and then play a ramen for example the barkeep can no longer be played on three and then follow it up with a ramen not that you necessarily would be doing that a lot but that did come up for example in blue purple rainbow builds which is another deck that is impacted by this change previously you could play a barkeep on turn three play a ramen and then basically draw a card at the end of turn because odds are when you foresight you're gonna find an enchantment to draw off the rainbow both of those decks and probably several others are going to be impacted by the ramen changes there are other things along the lines of say an item deck i don't know if those were really there to begin with but those also take a hit Again, going from 0 to 1 seems like it's not that big a change, but it's pretty significant. A single mana change is potentially enormous. Again, I'm not very confident in saying that those decks are 100% dead. The reality of the matter is that in, say, the Necromantic decks, Hopeless Necromantic is still a very powerful card, and that wasn't directly nerfed. It was just indirectly nerfed due to the Raman change. However, it will affect that deck. Your turn four perfect grades are still going to be very mean. Your ability to close out those games may be a little different. And that's the part where it becomes, it it may add similar to what we were talking about with hysterical strength. You're no longer snowballing that initial minion that survived because it no longer survives. In the same vein here, you may not be able to push that last bit of damage and you may be losing games, leaving your opponent at one health when you might have gotten them previously because you missed a ramen somewhere over the course of the game because of the additional cost. Is that bad overall? I like. I personally felt that the disc-based decks in this fashion were unique and it was a really cool thing to do. However, I can certainly understand anybody who came to me and said that No, this is unfun because there's realistically no real way to interact with these. Yes, there are discard elements, the Believers, uh, even Lucky, a number of other cards that would allow you to either directly strip the ramen from your opponent's hand or increase the cost as adding it to one or adding it above one now. It's tough to make that call. I think this is, again, a worthwhile change, probably a healthy one in the long run. Because eventually there would be a point where just pumping ramen out is the primary game plan. And again, there isn't really a clean way to interact with these things. I think it's okay that this ended up happening. How much it's going to impact the meta, we'll see. 
I know I've said that multiple times, but in this case, it, it's tough to... The math is very complicated to begin with, and now we're adding a cost to it. So it's very hard to say exactly how many turns this now buys opponents or how many turns this adds to finishing games out. So we'll have to see how this goes. I do think, as I said, that it's overall healthy. I can live with it. We'll move on to the next one. So this one's a little weird. We got a nerf to a card that technically doesn't exist. It's not really a card. We got a nerf on Thrall of the Trident God. Now, the Thrall used to be two energy instead of three. So we've added an entire turn to this, and this is significant. The transformation from Thrall to Scylla now is much, much more difficult, especially if you do not empower the Believer. Now, is this the change that everybody was clamoring for? Because if you've been around Mythgard at all, you've had to see or participate in a believer discussion. In fact, it's a running meme on my Twitch channel at this stage that we are we are legally bound to discuss believer once a stream. Obviously not literally, but it it's it as mentioned is a funny meme. We've talked about believer a lot. I am on record as saying I'm okay with believer. Clearly the rhinos are okay with where believer stands. When I say I am okay with it, I would not be opposed to a change. I've made the case that I think it should not be a random discard. There have been other streamers and other content creators that have made other suggestions and other comments that I can't really disagree with. One of them that was common was made by Tempest in that if you strip away any of the powers on these cards and just straight up remove something, it's still a pretty good card. Now, the card being inherently powerful isn't necessarily bad and i don't want to devolve this into a much larger believer discussion as i said we basically talk about it every time i stream and i'm fine talking about it i just don't want to clutter up this particular video do i think this change is going to have a significant impact probably not i think that what's going to happen is yeah you're not going to get to Scylla as often i don't know how much that matters it was very rare to begin with as in Odds are these things, the Believer or the Thrall, were dealt with much quicker than Scylla could possibly come out. Will it change games? Yes, of course it will. There will be games where you would have gotten pounded by Scylla that you will no longer because the Thrall could not transform in time and you had the ability to remove it by whatever means. However, I don't know that that really interacts directly with the complaints that most people have about Believer. And again, there have been a whole lot of suggestions. I've talked even on here about the random discard. There are other factors that could be changed. There's a whole lot of numbers and text on these cards. A lot of knobs and levers are available for changes. If they need to be made. And I think until we have the open, we're really not going to have a great glimpse. Ladder is a wildly different beast. Even if we had months and months of quote-unquote competitive level data on Believer, it is different than a tournament setting. It is different from Conquest. It would be different from a single deck format. There, You can draw comparisons. You can kind of have data overlap, but that doesn't mean that you're actually going to get the information you need. So where do we stand on this? I think it's fine. I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. It will impact some games, 
but they are probably on the lower end percentage-wise of the overall set of games that will be changed as a result of this change. Our next card up is Bolshoi Constructor. Now, this is the second nerf that this card has eaten. It used to, in the previous iteration, have one energy to start. Now it starts with zero. So we're looking at three full turns after it's played for it to go off. Now, in conjunction with the reduced durability, I'm not going to lie. I feel like this thing's never going to trigger anymore. I could be wrong, but it was cutting it close with six the fact that you have to wait another turn and allow your opponent another opportunity to wail on this thing means that it's likely not long for the world now this is an intensely powerful effect you jump up the curve pretty far and that's where it becomes a little weird for me and that this is the reason i think ramp decks are cool across a whole bunch of games i think ramp decks are fun it's a very timmy effect to some extent where you just cheat, air quotes, something into play much earlier than it should. It's similar to reanimator builds. So it allows you to, you know, fill out your deck with super powerful cards or super fun cards that may not hit play ordinarily because you couldn't justify waiting until turn infinite to actually play them. The problem is, is that to some extent, in my opinion... Ramp decks are not unlike non-interactive combo decks. Now, we don't really have those that much in Mythgard, but anybody who's played card games has a story at some point of, well, I played this format and this deck was just awful and required a whole bunch of bands or errata or card changes, depending on the medium, especially if it was digital. The reason I say that is you don't really have, yes, you could blow up the Bolshoi Constructor before it goes off. But once it does, the damage is already done, and now your opponent is dropping enormous Timmy creatures or other spells to just dominate the board from now until you succumb under a wave of kaiju, kind of like this specific rim. And that's the problem. There's not much you can do at that stage because there's only a limited set of removal and tools that don't boil down to go faster. So you need to end the game before the ramp takes over, or you need to, for some reason, be packing a whole bunch of targeted removal that can deal with a constant stream of monsters. There are other decks that weren't necessarily Timmy-based that were doing other things, and again, the Plague Maiden change earlier that we talked about is another thing where you could jump up the curve and suddenly Plague Maiden someone to death way sooner than you could previously, or should be able to, quote-unquote. To some extent, I agree with this change. It's very dangerous. It's a very powerful effect. However, while it can be non-interactive to some extent, I personally really like ramp decks, as mentioned. And I think it would be cool to have these abilities. Other cards like Kolobok and things along those lines just aren't cutting it for the most part. At least as far as I've seen. Maybe somebody will prove me wrong. But this was, to date, in as far as I've seen... And I haven't been playing Mythgard forever, but as far as I've seen, one of the, if not the most powerful, far and away most powerful, ramp effect. I guess ultimately there's not much we can do about it. it, it we're going to have to live with this change. Clearly, the development team felt that there was something wrong about this. The fact that they nerfed it twice. Maybe we can see a buff to it later, given that other things can be nerfed to try and shuffle this around. Maybe the archetype can be maintained. 
but it is a very delicate process. So I can appreciate the safety valve here and just saying, nope, you know what? We're nerfing this and we're going to see how it plays out. I'd like to see ramp be a thing, but it has to be done very carefully. And as a result, it's going to take some tweaking. So ultimately, if Bolshoi Constructor goes away from the competitive scene, I'm not really going to shed too many tears. Maybe, maybe one. So the last real change, <laughs> and why real change, there was a troll a little bit about the horn. We don't really need to get into it, but it, it did, I'll admit, it caught me for a while, and I was reading the changes and then going to Mythgard Hub and looking at the card and going, I don't get it, what am I missing? And then I felt really silly when I realized it. But official real changes. We're talking about War Documentarian here. Now, this is another card that's gone through multiple iterations post-live. So initially, it only had one energy and was a 1-3. Then it became a 1-4 with two energy, and now it's back to being a 1-3 with two energy. I really like this card in its very first iteration, and then nobody played it. I thought there was a lot of potential, and then it kind of fell out of my mind, to be perfectly honest. Like, I forgot the card existed. Then it got buffed to the 1-4. And because I forgot it existed, I forgot what state reparation did. And I recall specifically on stream when we were talking about the last set of changes that I kind of didn't care about the card until I reread it. It helps when you read the card, right? And when I reread it, I, I almost fell out of my chair because it, the card was bonkers. Now, this particular iteration now still seems very strong. It still allows you to do unfair things. And this is the kind of thing that is a lot of fun for me about Mythgard. And that is you can do some really, quote unquote, unfair and powerful things. Now, what if you I told you you could do them twice? That traitorous murmur, that terminal calculus, that short stag, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can do it again. Oh, you you couldn't find your second misanthropia? Well, let's make one. There are a lot of good things about this card. I do appreciate the way it's worded, that it has to be in combat, it has to be a friendly minion, it makes you jump through some hoops, but the payoff is really good. So, I think... I don't think this card drops off the face of the earth. I think it does too much. If it dropped back to its original status, we'll see. Uh, it is still pretty durable. Having three health means that it's unlikely to die outside of combat. It's very hard to deal excuse me, three or more damage via a single card in Mythgard. Now it is vulnerable to green removal, ironically enough, but your ignitions, your racer and shadows, if you clear a path, they're not necessarily getting there without additional help, which means that this could be an X for one in the documentarian player's favor, even before you consider the fact that maybe it already generated a state of state reparation. I think we're still going to see this card. I think it's, it's definitely good that it's getting nerfed back. I think it probably needs to stay at three health or otherwise you risk it'll never go off because the existence of Believer and other X2s and smaller necessitates things like Racer and Shadow and Ignition in your decks. It would be very easy to off this without really a second thought if it went down to a 1-2. With 
only one energy, it makes it very difficult to make things happen, although you can leverage tokens. Because it doesn't necessarily it doesn't specifically require non-ephemeral minions to die. Overall, I as I said, I still think this thing is going to make an appearance. It requires certain hoops to jump through, given that it's not quite as durable, obviously going down one health. Maybe we'll see a reduction in them, but I expect that you're still going to see a whole bunch of war documentarians across the board. Which maybe is telling if the card gets nerfed from its previous state and is still very much playable, then maybe that tells you something about what status it was in. So that'll kind of wrap it up for my first Mythgard video, and as I mentioned at the top, first YouTube video in a while. There were a lot of things going on, and we're expecting more news about how things are going to shape up for the rest of the year in the near future. So personally, I mentioned earlier that I am a partner, but I love this game. I fell in love with it and then became partner, not the other way around. I've been playing a lot of it. I've been streaming a lot of it. I definitely recommend it to people. There's a promotion going on at the time of this recording where you can pick up the core set through a series of codes that you have to do a little hunting for. Uh, the first one came out from the Mythgard team directly, but the others were through a number of other channels that we can direct you to if you want to reach out, because we want to make sure that traffic is going to the individuals that are helping out the Mythgard community. Again, th this game is a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it to people. I've been enjoying my time with it. I'm going to continue to enjoy my time with it, because I figure I stream games that I'm going to be playing anyway, and I've been streaming Mythgard a lot, so take that as you will. But anyway, we're going to close up shop for this one. You, if you can, please subscribe on YouTube because I definitely need some more followers there. Check out my Twitch channel. And you, of course, could check us out on Twitter as well. So as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Black Lives Matter.